Welcome to the Elevate the Edge podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez of Lopez Research, and I'm joined with my co-host, Joe Peterson of Clarify 360. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Elevate the Edge is published bi-weekly. The podcast focuses on helping companies understand what edge computing is, how the market will evolve, and what you need to know to build successful edge computing strategies. Show notes and subscription links can be found at elevatetheedge.com slash episodes. We hope you'll enjoy the show. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez. And as always, I'm joined with my fabulous co-founder of the podcast, Joe Peterson. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, Maribel. Happy almost turkey day. I'm doing great. We are so excited. So this is Elevate the Edge. And as always, we are excited to be joined with another great guest to talk about what's going on in edge computing landscape. And we are joined here today with Brian Schmidt. He is the co-founder of Primary Ocean. Brian, hey, how are you going? Welcome to the program. Gobble, gobble, ladies. Uh, <laughs> happy to happy to be joining you all the day before Thanksgiving. It's a pleasure to uh, be speaking with you. Perfect. We're really excited about this. So Brian is the co-founder of Primary Ocean, as I said. He and his company are primarily focused on renewables and the environment by utilizing our oceans, valuable resources. Uh, he believes that mass-scale seaweed cultivation and refining into an array of organic products such as proteins, fertilizers, bioplastics, pharmaceuticals, biofuel, and that all of this can radically and economically shift us from pollutive systems to synergetic systems. And one of the reasons that I love this podcast so much is that the edge is everywhere and it shows up in places that people don't normally think of in the computing landscape. And this is a great example of that. So Brian, great to have you on the program. Uh, let me just jump in with the first question. So uh, Crunchbase describes your company, Primary Ocean, as vertically integrated seaweed biotech corp, uh, providing sea and soil sustainability solutions from seaweed. That was a lot to say. I even had to pause to get it all out there. But having said that, can you tell us what that description means and what your company does? Yes, absolutely. And yeah, there's a lot of alliteration in there. Uh, sea to soil to sustainability. Uh, but we um, we are a, uh, as said, a seaweed biotech company. And we're funded by the Department of Energy to research cultivation uh, of a specific species of seaweed. Our specific species of seaweed is the fastest growing organism on planet Earth. It can grow up to two and a half feet a day. So the Department of Energy is interested in it for the future of biofuel. But where the soil comes into play is in order to have enough biomass for biofuel, we need large scale. So we had to develop intermediary markets. And one of those intermediary markets where we are commercial now is called a biostimulant or biofertilizer. And we basically process and liquefy our seaweed to stabilize the um, you know, phytohormones and plant growth hormones in it and deliver that and sell that to farmers who are growing, you know, anything from potatoes to strawberries. And it uh, helps the farmer heal it, heal their soil and uh, also increase their um, yields. And so that's where the soil part comes into play. And um, yeah. God, that's really interesting. 
<laughs> and, you know, there, when, when you first started it with how quickly it could grow, I had such weird visions of old sci-fi movies, like the B-grade sci-fi movies where the seaweed's going to grow and take over the planet. Uh, but, you know, now that you've gotten me to the other side of that, I'm, I'm feeling better about it. And I guess I want to... Well, that is the idea, right? That we grow enough seaweed, it does take over the planet. And we can replace all of those things we talked about with a regenerative resource, such as fuel and fertilizer and, uh, you know, proteins and bioplastics. So we we do hope to be growing millions and millions of acreage of uh, of seaweed in the future. Well, I actually love seaweed, so I'm actually excited about that. Wanted to ask you a little bit about when you think of ocean farming, it's a relatively new frontier. And there's some discussion uh, from a big picture. Uh, Do you believe it's true that you can help ease the global food crisis with enriched seaweed? And that's question one. And then the second half of that is that this is a podcast about the edge and i'm wondering how technology and the edge in particular help connect the dots as you're thinking about this absolutely so you know seaweed farming is not you know too new right you can see seaweed farms from space in korea japan china and that was what one of the reasons why we got into this industry and in, uh, back in 2017, we said, why can why is it happening over in the east and nowhere in the west? Um, right. And, uh, you know, they were most of their seaweed farms are in coves and, you know, protected areas. But our goal is to be developing, uh, you know, these cultivation systems that can withstand uh, the offshore environment, meaning not protected uh, and having, you know, higher currents, uh, uh, bigger waves, more uh, just, you know, kind of chaos in in the end um, that it can it can withstand uh, because, you know, on the California coast, we don't have a ton of coves and people don't like to look at, uh, you know, aquaculture facilities. People buy these million dollar homes on the coast and they don't, just like they don't like to stare at oil rigs, they're not going to like to see it stare at, um, you know, uh, these facilities, even though they're very pretty and elegant. Um, But uh, yeah, so, so that is, you know, what we are kind of revolutionizing is, is the ability to farm in, you know, uh, more chaotic environments. And uh, you know, I do see uh, big, you know, this this edge computing as a critical piece to it. Um, we are, uh, as I said, uh, part of a Department of Energy program called the Mariner. And there's a couple categories in it. And one of the categories is about n- nutrient modeling and, uh, you know, seeing the flow of, of water whenever big seaweed farms are, are deployed, right? They, they haven't been deployed at this scale that we're aiming to do. So we need to make sure that we're, you know, monitoring the environment as close as possible. Um, you know, we've seen in uh, agriculture, monocropping does have its, its, you know, downfalls. And so we need to make sure that uh, when we are deploying larger farms, we are, you know, we start ahead of the game and, and it is our foresight to make sure that we're not disrupting uh, the natural environment. And ideally we're adding to the natural environment, right? It, it, it provides habitat for fish. It uh, 
it takes in pollutants from the ocean from agricultural runoff, such as nitrates and phosphates, not to mention the carbon drawdown aspect, which is just massive, um, uh, which is necessary for our oceans. Um, I think I answered both questions there, huh? Yeah, I, I do have a question. So do I think about this as you, know, you having a lot of sensors in the farming area and doing a lot of analytics at that at the edge, not necessarily in real time, um, and then pulling all that data back and trying to figure out how you improve the crop, understand what's going on with the different elements that are uh, intersecting with that from runoff and other things. You just mentioned several uh, different elements, you know, it's not like everything's in a clean, pristine environment. So you obviously have to try to do some maintenance around that. How do you, how does that all work in terms of thinking of it? Right. So you're correct. You know, we, we do go out there and, um, you know, take, take data, uh, as the crop is growing, maybe, you know, checking on growth rates, um, and, you know, the, there are ideally, you know, we, this isn't necessarily our category on the real time modeling of nutrient flow. Um, but that will be, that will be key, uh, in, you know, in the future, especially, you know, if we're talking about, uh, nutrient credits and carbon credits, that's a whole nother discussion in the future. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think, you know, it is a, a very necessary thing that the, that the DOE requires of us to uh, take these uh, measurements uh, quite often, really, and make sure that um, you know the the what we what we desire is happening. Well, that's I, that's exciting um, that you've got technology so engaged in this whole process. And as I think about, you know, as you're growing your footprint, as you're growing your business, as this is taking off for you, can you envision other technologies like AI and big data and robots even maybe generally participating in the whole process of this agriculture production, the seaweed production? Yes, absolutely. So, that is under uh, our team's, um, you know, umbrella, and we are working on a technology for automated seeding of these uh, these lines or ropes um, with a robot. Uh, we are also looking into uh, drones for the harvesting of our kelp. Right, we send them out, um, and and. They have their protocol, so we don't need to use, um, you know, a, a ton of manpower. Uh, we, we are um, within our team building one of the first photo bioreactors uh, for the production of gametophytes or sporophytes, otherwise known as basically the seeds of kelp. Um, so technology is at the forefront for what we are doing. And uh, it's exciting, really, because we do need to. Um, automate as much as possible. That's the whole purpose of this Department of Energy grant is to drive down the cost of, of uh, seaweed or kelp production so that we can one day compete with a, you know, with a uh, barrel of oil. Um, but specifically what we're, it feels like we're competing against is right now in America, they farm 30, we farm 30 million acres of corn specifically for biofuel. 
ethanol. Uh, but really, we in America, we farm 90 million, but 30 million is specifically used for ethanol. And our species of seaweed is rated the number one potential energy crop because we can likely produce uh, the same amount of energy that they do on that 30 million acres in 1 million acres. So if you want to consider all the... F- you know, land that we save, the fresh water, the pesticide fertilizer usage that gets into our, our waterways. Uh, and we can produce that same amount in one thirtieth of the acreage in the ocean where it's basically unlimited space. And, you know, we're not using all these harmful, um, uh, you know, or, or using valuable resources, but rather helping, you know, clean, clean up the ocean a little bit. Well, that's incredible ratios. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that is that is really incredible ratios. And I want to circle back to something that Maribel had mentioned, Brian, because you started talking about decision making from the data. You started talking about fairly regular um, surveying of the data, gathering of, of data. Are you at a place yet where you can make some real time decisions from the data that you're getting? Or are you trying to get to that place where you're making real time decisions from the data? Well, there's one important, really important aspect for a real-time decision on data, and that is uh, mammal entanglement, right? If a whale or dolphin uh, comes through. Um, So that is at the forefront or uh, the front of mind, so to say, of how do we notice if something like that happens? Uh, It has not happened yet. We do build... Um, as elegant a structure as possible that mimic a real um, a real kelp forest. So, so, so there's not too much. There's very little chance of it, but there's still the chance. And and we don't want any um, of this of the precious wildlife to be affected by what we're doing. So, yes, uh, it is at the for- forefront of mind to have a real time data for when something does happen. How can we censor? How can we n- be notified right away if there is? And then how do we get out there as quick as, as quickly as we need to to either untangle or um uh detach a line so that the the mammal can get back up to the air and breathe. Yeah, that's great. That's great that you guys have put some forethought into that and are trying to avoid any problems right out of the gate. And yeah. This is a classic example of you know when sometimes when I think when people think of technology and we're talking about edge computing they still think of some of more data center things, but like connecting it to what is the business problem and the business value can be really different depending on what industry you're in, right? So the the analytic whale cam concept almost <laughs> to to get to that, to make sure that we, we are uh, providing safety for everything around it. I love some of the ratios you mentioned, as, as Joe said, and it's really quite fascinating when you think about how that changes water utilization for crops. So that's that's pretty fascinating. And then you also started to talk about automation and how important automation was going to be to the industry. Um, and you've obviously talked about some of the opportunities. What are some of the challenges that you're facing around automation? Do you find that the, the techniques are there and ready yet? Or how do you think about getting to that next level with automation? 
Well, you know, we're seeing this. Uh, it's funny because now with our commercial products, you know, I've had to fast track my education in agriculture and we're seeing this boom in precision farming in agriculture right now. Right. So luckily for aquaculture, we can see what's happening in that, uh, you know, frontier, um, in real time and hopefully apply, you know, cause it's obviously a much, much larger industry than aquaculture currently is, but we can apply some of their learnings, um, on, on the front end. What are the challenges? Hmm. You know, I'm, there's plenty of them, uh, where, you know, we're, we're, we're babies at this, but we, you know, like I said, it, it is being done, uh, you know, not at the, the massive scale that agriculture is, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I l- let me circle back on some of those challenges. I, uh, I guess I'm too optimistic. I'm, I'm in too much of an optimistic mood today to, to recall a lot of the challenges. I, so. I, I love that. And I think that, you know, it's a, it's a journey and we're kind of, one of the things I love about what you said is that there are things that aren't directly what you do, but there's a lot of lessons learned that you can take from that and apply to your business. And I think that's really important. That application is part of your your strategic value that I'm sure that you've been providing to them. Uh, what excites you most right now? What excites me the most right now? Uh, well, literally selling our product to big farms um of course because that you know building a we we started as a research company right and uh that's how we were for three years and then the last two years we focused on commercialization we realized that in order to have as much impact in this industry as we wanted to we needed to build a profitable business that way we can utilize those profits to then continue upon uh, the research funding that we have received. So with every sale comes a, a bigger smile and a chance at making the impacts that we want, uh, not only for ourselves and for the ocean, but we love helping farmers out. We know our product is just incredible. It helps them reduce their fertilizer and water usage and maintains, it increases their yield. And, you know, as we see regenerative agriculture is at the forefront of everyone's mind. And uh, we really help push that agenda along. So um, yeah, awesome. you know, with, with every sale uh, comes a, a, a bigger chance to continue our impact. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So we've come to that point in the program where I'm going to ask you for a fun fact. Okay. Do you have a fun fact to share with us, Brian? Of course. Well, um, let me do a fun fact and then a quick little uh, joke, dad joke. Uh, So fun fact is that in 1911, I'll keep it on brand. In 1911, uh, Germany cut off America's uh, supply um, and embargo uh, when World War I started to potash. Um, and America immediately went out to the ocean to our species of kelp and started um, basically harvesting about a thousand tons a day. And they used that kelp for gunpowder the potash for gunpowder. So that is when the American kelp industry started was in 1911 due to world war one. Uh, and we were using our kelp as gunpowder. So, uh, 
that kind of leads me to the last one is uh, the joke is what should you do if you're addicted to seaweed? Oh, don't know. Yell C- kelp. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's close. Sea kelp. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a great dad joke. I don't think we've had a dad joke on the podcast yet. You are our original dad joke guy, Brian. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Keep those dad jokes coming. It's really, it's really just a funkel joke, a fun uncle joke. <laughs> it's all good well i enjoyed this thank you all uh very much for having me thanks brian and we look forward to seeing what you create next and keeping abreast of your progress go forth and change the world thanks everybody this has been elevate the edge i'm maribel lopez and joe peterson saying peace out have a great holiday season gobble gobble Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe so you can easily find us again. Follow us on Twitter at Maribel Lopez and at Digital Cloud Gal and on LinkedIn. Links to our social profiles, show notes, and ways to listen to the podcast can be found at elevatetheedge.com. Elevate the Edge.